I lobbied for affirmative action as I was deeply concerned by the low number of enrollments of Latinas, Latinos, and African Americans. Not only is it important to provide opportunities to minorities and the poor, but by not creating a diverse environment, you are doing a grave disservice to the more privileged students. It's a critically important life lesson to learn how to get along with people from all classes and races. I was fairly sheltered growing up, but when I reached art school, I encountered the most diverse group of people I had been with up to that point. I found it thrilling. For me, being around people from all over the country and the social spectrum went hand in hand with the freeing atmosphere of art school. I felt so lucky to be there. The trouble with our efforts to bring diversity to Parsons was that we didn't have the financial resources to help needier students enroll. We would offer them admission, and they would turn us down because they couldn't afford it. To me, it seemed grossly unfair. Parsons was the only profitable division of the university, New School University, which has eight divisions, the largest by far being Parsons. Only 9% of tuition came back for financial aid. Other divisions had 48%. That was our money. We were the cash cow, and it was going to other divisions. This is repugnant, I said. We want financially challenged African-American students for the Baltimore School for the Arts, and we can't get them because we can't offer competitive packages. The NACAC, National Association for College Admission Counseling, thought of us as stellar in how we operated with affirmative action, but in my eyes, we were a big failure. We were so diligent in recruitment and admissions committee work, but we failed miserably when it came to ensuring enrollment. Anyone whose family could write a check for the full admission could enroll, and if you were really, really, really poor, there were enough federal and state grants to get you in. But if you were working class or middle class, you were expected to pay an unrealistic amount of the cost of your education. We ended up being a division with rich students and poor students, and almost no one in the middle. There was nothing to mitigate those two extremes. As an educator, I found that this polarity dramatically diminished the dialogue in the classroom. That troubled me tremendously. For example, I had the students do shopping reports. They had to go everywhere from Bergdorf's to The Gap to H&M and come back and report on what they were seeing and share information. One parent called me wanting to know more about this shopping report project because apparently it was causing his daughter to spend a fortune on clothes. I'm getting these credit card bills for thousands of dollars, he said. They don't have to spend a cent, I told him. They just have to write a report about what they're seeing in stores. She was just pulling a fast one on her rich family. Another day, while we were talking about what was in the stores, a group of students presented this disdain for the gap. Who would ever go there? One student of mine, Flora Gill, piped up and said, Where I grew up, the gap was like Bergdorf's. We had Kmart and Walmart, and then we had the Temple of High Taste, the Gap. People oohed and awed when new clothes came in there, and I did too. I still liked the Gap. I've never forgotten that. It was humbling for everyone. Flora and her classmate Alexa Adams have had a successful collaboration under the name Ona Title, and I think of her every time I look at the Bergdorf Goodman catalog, where you see $1,800 pants and $400 t-shirts. Kanye West's plain white t-shirt for APC retailed for $120. The only thing dumber than that is the person who would buy it. I say get one from Hanes and give the balance of the money to charity, or to a promising designer in the form of a mood gift certificate.
The faculty on the admissions committee often complained about my applicant selection choices because I was a champion for the underdog. The rest of you just want the superstars because they're easy to teach, I told them. It's my philosophy that sometimes our most difficult students can be our favorites and ultimately the most successful. You bear witness to an evolution. You see it happen. I had faculty come to me and say, I have the worst class. I would say, don't be a fatalist. Don't be depressed. It should be exciting. Think of the impact you can have if they really are the worst students ever. They have nowhere to go but up. I also told faculty members that if they found their students to be boring, which I heard with too much frequency, then they should quit.